So D'Angelo Russell, I thought, had one of his worst games as a Wolf on Friday. Then he had one of his better games, at least recently, on Sunday. Uh, it's been, to me, a terrible season for him in all kinds of respects. Are you seeing signs of life from D'Angelo Russell? And what does beating the Cavaliers without uh, Donovan Mitchell mean? I'm going to ask those questions of John Krasinski because this is the John Krasinski Show. This is our Timberwolves show at TalkNorth.com. Check out all the shows at the website. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. That is the easiest way to listen. It is also free. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to TSR, Injury Law, Manscaped, All Energy Solar, and Head Flyer Brewing, uh, where we'll be doing a special Cheryl Reeve show on December 15th. We'll tell you more about that later as well. So, John, just get, let, let's just start with your general reaction to uh, another very strange weekend of basketball. Yeah, well, I'll just say that um, coming off of the first 13 games of the season, they're 5-8. and eight. Uh, as you said, um, you, D'Angelo Russell has just been largely terrible through through that time, and he has certainly not been the only reason they're five and eight. But he, uh, he is one of the reasons they just desperately needed a win, and the Cavaliers did not have two of their all stars. That's true, um, but the Wolves are in such a desperate state that they needed any win that they could get. And so to get it the way that they did on Sunday night with D'Angelo Russell leading the way, it was a temporary reprieve on what has been a very difficult, very mentally exhausting, uh, very concerning start to this season. Um, Russell came out knocking down shots and you saw as soon as the ball started to go through the basket, how that changed the entire tenor of the Minnesota Timberwolves bench of their of their team, of their spirit, all these things. This team has led the league so far this season in bad body language. And so for Russell to come out, hit some shots and then start to get other people involved the way that he did. He had 12 assists to go with his 30 points. Uh, it was not a moment too soon. So certainly doesn't mean that all their problems are solved, but I do think that what we saw in that game, there were a few little signs of things that we have seen over the last week or so that says maybe, maybe the Timberwolves are starting to figure out a little bit of what they have to do. Obviously they have a long way to go, but that was, that was a step in the right direction on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, definitely. It was a much better game. As you said, it's, it's it's amazing that at this level, with veteran, highly paid players, how sometimes just feeling uh, matters so much. And you could tell when Russell hit those shots, it, it was like everybody relaxed and got into an offensive flow that we just haven't seen that often this season. Yeah, and, and so one of the things that we've sort of talked about, certainly on this show, and I've written about the athletic and, and stuff, but I think has gone sort of under appreciated or under under examined really is that you know everyone has understandably looked at the struggles to incorporate Rudy Gobert and how that has not gone well early on here how Anthony Edwards is trying to find things how D'Angelo Russell's not playing well how even Gobert does not look like himself um, all of those things and that's the big picture issue that's obviously the biggest thing that needs to happen for this team to figure things out is to make sure that they get on the same page with a Rudy Gobert centered offense. But one of the reasons that they have had such a difficult time 
getting Rudy Gobert into the fold and 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 playing around him is they have just been such a poor shooting team. They were 28th in the league in three-point percentage going into last night, and they're missing open catch-and-shoot jumpers. They're missing um, off-the-dribble pull-ups. They're missing everything that causes a defense to get out onto the perimeter to open things up for the pick-and-roll and the lob to go bare to – to just make you know, give Anthony Edwards some driving lanes, all of those things, they've just been an awful shooting team. And so it sounds very basic and very simple, but if this team just starts making shots at a decent level, you don't have to be the 2015 Golden State Warriors. Like all you need to do is hit down, hit more of the shots that you are supposed to make, the unguarded three point shots that come off of ball movement. And I think that that would sort of take a lot of the weight off of the shoulders of these players. And Russell has been number one um, in that disappointment uh, category because he's shooting career lows in field goal percentage and three-point percentage. And he was supposed to be one of those guys who benefited the most from the attention and the gravity that Gobert draws. And he just had not been doing it to this point. He comes out, he hits his first six shots of the game, and that just loosened everything up for the Timberwolves offense to get moving. And then everyone, when they had some success and saw some shots fall through, now they're getting back on defense. Now they're moving the ball around and not just you know one, one pass and shot type of situation. Now they're diving on the floor for loose balls. Now they're challenging shots at the rim. And it just is the kind of um, injection of spirit and energy that this team has not had. They have been a very hard watch for much of the season because their shoulders are slumped. They're sort of bickering with each other. And I think a lot of it comes down to their frustration with not being able to put the ball in the freaking bucket. And so to do that um, and, 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 and see a little bit of, of what that can do for them, I just thought that that was a much needed breakthrough last night. We'll see if they can sustain it. D'Angelo Russell's incredibly streaky, but three of his last four games now, he started to shoot the ball pretty well. So maybe some of that, maybe there's a hot streak that is coming for him after quite a long time of, uh, of poor shooting, even dating into last season. Yeah, it's, I have had this conversation with Cheryl Reeve many times too. You know, at the highest levels of basketball, if you miss shots, a lot of things fall apart. At the lowest levels of basketball, it's exactly the same thing. I coached a lot of youth basketball. Mm-hmm. And if you don't make shots, almost nothing else you do works and your players get very frustrated. Uh, it's just that you got to see the ball go in the basket. Also, obviously, if the ball goes in the basket, then you're not dealing with uh, – you're dealing with a less likely – uh, less likely scenario where the other team's going to get an easy fast break or a long rebound that's going to lead to an easy bucket. It, it it solves so many problems. It sounds so basic, but it sounds it solves so many problems. If you just make shots, uh, obviously you get the points, which is the biggest thing. But you also you also get flow, you get confidence, you uh, stress the defense, you slow down the other team's offense. It, it just can't be over. Even though it's the most obvious thing you could say, it also can't be overstated. Well, and yeah, the the thing I led my athletic story with on Monday morning was that, you know, early on in the game, he D'Angelo hits his fourth straight shot. 
and it's a pull-up three-pointer sort of in semi-transition. Wolves are ahead 26-16. Cavaliers call timeout. Anthony Edwards comes just floating off of the bench. He was he was grabbing a grabbing a rest and and just yelling, let's go, let's go. And you could see the team in general with a life and a light in their eyes that hasn't been there. I mean, they have, like I said, they have been the bad body language kings this 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 season so far. They look like a Tom Thibodeau coach team in just the 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 joylessness that had been going on and permeating through the whole locker room. And so when those shots started falling, man, uh, what a difference that made. And yes, they had to, I mean, it was ugly at the end. They, they really, you could see like as the Cavaliers started coming back and Darius Garland started hitting every shot in the world. And there was a tightness that returned to this team and it, and some of that selflessness sort of went away. But um, I do think that, that will also help that reinforce the importance of the way that they move the ball and sharing it and playing together because you know it's not going to all come back in one game it's going to it's going to take some time for them to do it uh but to to see them be able to hold off that cavaliers charge and and win for the you know just the second time in eight games it was just desperately needed like they were they were in a very bad way, and it doesn't solve all of their problems. But to see those shots fall through, then you have Torian Prince hitting shots. Then you have Jaden McDaniels. Kyle Anderson hit two threes, for crying out loud, in the first half. Carl Anthony Towns really got going, had one of his best games of the season. All of it flowed from that really impressive and important start to the game for Russell, who then shifted into playmaking mode very deftly, um, which is not an always an easy thing to do. So um, all of that to say is that that is kind of the closer to the performance that we expected to see from these wolves uh, from the outset. And if you can start to see just glimmers of that, maybe if they keep pushing, keep working, they can sort of capture uh, that consistency a little bit more, and maybe the wins will start to come here. I want to talk about Finch. I want to talk about Anthony Edwards. I want to talk, talk about the defense, especially three-point defense, uh, rebounding, offensive flow, all kinds of things I want to get to. Uh, but let, you mentioned them, though. Kyle Anderson, in so many ways, is the antithesis of a modern NBA player. Uh, not all that muscular, not all that explosive, not a great leaper, uh, and I thought, you know, uh, I thought that the uh, the Bally Sports guys last night, Michael and Jim, made a great point. They said that uh, Kyle Anderson has one of the slowest shot fakes in basketball, mm-hmm. and that's why it works. He said mm-hmm. so many players think that, you know, throwing a quick fake at you is going to get them open, but the fake is so quick that the defender doesn't even have a chance to react to it. So you're not getting anything. He, he said that, you know, Kyle Anderson's is so slow that it gives the defender a lot, a lot of time to react to it. So he does react to it. And then he goes right around him. I mean, he, he almost reminds me of purely in terms of style of play, not at all in terms of greatness, of course, We're talking about a bench player here, but he kind of reminds me of Tim Duncan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, in terms of not flashy. Style. In, yeah, yep, yep. In terms of the pace that which he plays, 
yeah, I can, I can see that for sure. Um, you know, you just look at his stat line last night, six points, five assists, three rebounds, one steal in 22 minutes. Is that, is that, you know, player of the night MVP jumping off the, the stats at, you No, none of that is, but the calm that he brings to the group, the defensive versatility. Oh, by the way, he was a plus 17, which was the second best on the team. Um, next to uh next to D'Angelo's plus 19 and and so he just he does those little things and he is a a a glue guy and holds things together in such a way that um he plays very with a very unflappable nature and this is a team that has been flappable for the first 13 games and so to have someone like that in there who can just settle things down make the right pass not a sports center highlight but um, and and take his time and get to the basket and even knock down a three or two here or there. Um, that's that's invaluable for what this team needs: high IQ players who can set their own pace and don't get swept up into the emotion of a game, good or bad. And Kyle Anderson is exactly that guy. He's been that way. You're seeing him play some more point guard as well, um, which is an interesting little wrinkle that we've seen. Um, and, and I just think that he's one of the most important guys on this team in terms of the way that he goes about his business and what kind of effect that he can have on a, on a game and on, on an excitable roster, um, in, you know, in a very positive way. Uh, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to all those other issues. Don't want to let you know. 612 TSR time is all you need to know if you're injured. The roads are getting nasty out there. We're talking here on Monday morning. There are already a bunch of accidents across the Twin Cities. We do not want you to get hurt. We do not want you to need an injury lawyer. But if you do need one, you need a good one. You need someone who's going to win your case. You need someone who's not going to charge you unless they win your case. And you want somebody who wins lots of cases like TSR injury law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, now tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, off on Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, just off of 35W. I've been going there for years. My wife and I love to stop in there on a Friday evening, grab a couple of beers, have some g- good food from their food trucks that are often there, um, and just enjoy the atmosphere. It's a great tap room. They have a bunch of TVs if you want to watch the games, the Timberwolves games, the Wild games, whatever you want, um, and and just um, unbelievable sort of environment just to hang out. It's 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 nice and chill, wide open tap room, and best of all, it's just got great beer. Um, I have so many favorites that I've that I've um, that have been drinking over the years, especially in basketball season. I love the Wicked Jump Shot, and they have all sort they have IPAs, they have all sorts of sours and and ciders and things and everything that you could imagine uh that you would want for a beer drinker there it's at head flyer uh stop in tell them the john krasinski show sent you head flyer brewing in northeast minneapolis right on hennepin avenue bring your dog if you want bring your buddies have a good time and and have some great beer uh, by the way, December 15th, uh, we'll get more details. We're doing our annual winter wear drive. It's Lori Ramsey's annual winter wear drive, basically providing 
warm weather gear and shoes and coats for homeless youth in the Twin Cities. It's a great cause. Gloria's done a great job with it. Cheryl Reeve has been incredibly supportive of it. Uh, I feel privileged to be just a, a very tiny part of that operation. It'll be a great time. We'll talk some wolves, talk a lot of uh, WNBA. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff. We'll get you more details soon, but be on the lookout for that. And thank you for whatever support you can provide. Uh, let you know the Inflation Reduction Act has reduced the federal solar investment track tax credit from 26% to 30%, which is a surprise. That's a good, that's good news. It's a fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives as well, depending on the location of the property. Solar power with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Uh, solar and EVs are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar power to power your EV at home, or you can provide it as part of your business. Now is a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid has limited capacity. Grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. And now John's world-famous Manscaped ad. That's right, Jim. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC for free shipping and 20% off. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof. Can't forget the Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Toner Spray are like the pumpkin pie and ice cream after Thanksgiving dinner. Can't live without it. Your balls will be living in turkey heaven with these formulations. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the promo code ATHLETIC. So let's get into the attitude that you're talking about. Uh, you know, the way that access works these days, I have not been in the locker room. You have, uh, sounds like there've been some tense moments in there. The other night, uh, D'Angelo Russell agreed to come to the interview room after the game and Chris Hine and I were the only two people in the room with him. And he didn't really, he, he did it as a check the box kind of thing. He didn't answer any questions. He didn't provide any complete sentences or any thoughts. He just kind of sat there and said as little as possible. Uh, so how bad is it? How worrisome is it? And is it something that goes away if they start playing well, or is it something to keep an eye on? Well, I mean, yeah, I think part of it, it's certainly, I think, bred from the expectations that this group has and from how they are not meeting them so far. There is frustration throughout the team about, um, how clunky this has been to start the season. And there are various people to blame for that. Really pretty much everyone. I mean, Gobert has really struggled. 
um, to, to kind of acclimate. He's kind of getting in the way uh, offensively a little bit. Uh, you have Carl Anthony Towns, who has at times been the most consistent player, but then at other times just you know, continues to have foul trouble and and to not dominate his matchups as much as uh, as he should at the four spot. You have D'Angelo Russell, who can't hit a shot. You have Anthony Edwards, who has not made the leap that he has expected of himself and everyone has expected of him. And so all of that is conspiring just to make it a very heavy atmosphere in that locker room. And they are searching for answers that are not obvious to everyone. I think same with Chris Finch. Like, we've been asking him lately about if he's going to make any changes to the starting lineup. And he has stayed with his group. And part of the reason I think is because there isn't a magic bullet change to the starting lineup that would immediately kind of cure everything that ails this team. And so they're in kind of the muck and the mire right now of team building. And there is not one person in there who commands the locker room and can kind of get everyone on the same page, hold people accountable and, and, and still go out there and play well um, himself. Carl Anthony Towns is not that guy. Uh, Rudy Gobert does not seem to be that guy. Certainly D'Angelo Russell is not that guy. Anthony Edwards, I think eventually could be that guy, but he's just a little bit young to be doing that right now. Torian Prince and, and Kyle Anderson are closer, but they're still both bench guys. Um, and so there just is a, it's, it's, it's kind of a leadership void that is contributing to a, a malaise, a malaise on the court. And so you see guys that are really struggling um, to, to, to get things going in the right direction. They have been trying to preach patience. They have tried, been trying to keep their heads on straight, but it's only human nature when things that were so easy or came so naturally to this team over the last like three months of last season are coming much, much more difficult right now. And they know that the stakes are much higher for them. And so you can just see it weighing on everyone. I don't think it's a case like with the Jimmy Butler situation where like Jimmy just legitimately hated some of the guys in there and they hated him right back. I don't think that's it at all. But I do think that there's just, there has been this tension um, that has been exacerbated by the poor play on the court. And so if they start knocking down shots, if they can start piling up some wins, if they can start just playing a little bit closer to the potential that they have, I do think that um, a lot of those issues will go away. They are fighting it right now, and they have to get to a situation where they are not fighting it, where they're just kind of playing off of instinct, where they're playing hard and playing for each other. And and that they can trust each other. That's the final thing I would say, Jim, is there just doesn't seem to be a ton of trust um, in, you know, in that that each teammate is holding for for each other. And so um, they have to have some success to build some of that trust. And then you will see some of this start to just kind of settle in and iron out. Um, but it has been a grind and it's not been great in there and it's not been great on the court with the body language and, and with, um, with the effort level and all those things. So is it chicken or the egg? What comes first, the wins or the, or the, or the good vibes? 
Um, there could be a little bit of that, but they just, they do need, they're at a point now where they do need some momentum going in their direction. Um, they go to Orlando on Wednesday. Uh, that's a team that loses a lot of games. It would be, they, they never play well there, but it would be nice to win that game and get two in a row, then come back home, um, play Miami, I think. And then, or sorry, they go Orlando, then at Philly, which will be tough, but not, not, not uh it's not impossible to win there and then you come home to play Miami if they can start to get you know a stretch of you know win four or five win five of six six of eight that I think would go a long long way toward instilling some trust within this team that just isn't there right now so let's talk about Chris Finch um I really like Chris Finch and not so much because I have a relationship with him but because just what I've observed what I've talked about to about him with other people, people who cover him, people in the organization, people in the Wolves organization, people in the Lynx organization. He just seems to be legitimately a good dude, um, you know, treats people well, very knowledgeable, very experienced, very smart coach, I think. So the question will become at some point, if they don't turn it around, is he the right personality? Uh, I, I almost feel guilty bringing it up at this point. Uh, but, he, you know, he's been who he is so far. He has been a calm, rational. Uh, he's not afraid to say when somebody doesn't play well or somebody needs to improve, but it's, it's all very understated. Uh, do you have any concerns that his personality might not be the right personality for this group? Um, I, I Not yet, Jim. I know, like, there have been – fans have been saying it's all Finch's fault and 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 you have to uh, you have to fire him and, and, and move on and all these things. And I, I think that's just so, so reactionary. Um, I, I do think in looking at what is ailing this team right now, I think in general it has been a competitive spirit and a heart situation in the players. They're just not competing hard enough on a day in and day out basis. And that's on them. That's not on the coaching staff. Now I will say I've been a little bit surprised at sort of the way that Chris Finch has been trying to utilize Rudy Gobert. Um, From the moment he landed in Minnesota from the trade, they have been saying that they believe that Rudy Gobert has a lot more to show offensively. um, And that they think that he can be more of a weapon in that regard uh, um, on offense than he was in Utah. And whether that is just trying to placate Gobert, who we know was dissatisfied with his role in Utah or, or not, so far the way that they have been utilizing him has been hard to kind of watch at times. I He is not setting as many screens as he normally does. This is not a pick-and-roll-centric offense like he is used to playing. And they're trying to get him sort of into more dribble handoffs. They're trying to get him, you know, uh, he's he's shot the floater a little bit. Um, they're, they're trying to run a little bit more through him. And I think it's a noble, um, it's a, it's a noble venture. And, and, and I understand why they're doing it in terms of trying to get him totally on board with he, being here. And maybe long-term that is the way to go with it. But I wonder, I just wonder if it's, if they need to scale back a little bit, at least for the moment and just get back to what Rudy does best and set screens, roll to the basket. And, and, you know, you, you run that with Edwards, you run that with, with Russell, you even run that with, with Carl Anthony Towns a little bit. And maybe that just makes things a little bit easier for everyone involved 
at the outset. And then you kind of spoon feed them more and more responsibility and more and more variations as we go along. What we have seen so far from Finch is that he has been very, uh, he is stuck to his principles and he is believing in what he is teaching this team um, and not making real big changes to it. Uh, and I, I think that that is him saying, look, I, they just need more time to run this stuff and it will pay off. And he could be right. I mean, there were plenty of people clamoring for D'Angelo Russell to be benched after the Memphis game when he was absolutely awful. Finch stuck with him and he came through big time against Cleveland. So maybe some of that sort of uh, ability to not bow to pressure, that ability, that that confidence in what he's doing, maybe that will serve this team well. But I do think that it's just been a surprise to me to see that the Rudy stuff has not been working and they're just sticking with it. And um, and that's going to be a test of sort of his metal as a coach and, and just how long does he continue to, to keep with his principles in the face of real struggle? And he believes, and he's told us this the last few games that they are close to turning a corner. He sees things from Rudy Gobert. He sees things from Edwards. He sees things from towns that show that there are tangible signs of progress. We'll see if he's right here and if he is, then it'll be the the absolute smartest thing he ever could have done was just to stick with it and not panic and not change things just to just to try and get a little different result. Um, but it, this is being tested right now, absolutely. And I, you know, so I ripped on uh, D'Angelo in my last column, and I hate watching the guy play in general. The only time I like it is when he has a good shooting night, and then that kind of leads to him being a good passer and distributing all that. But it just doesn't happen often enough. But here, here's where being in Finch's position is so difficult. He really can't bench D'Angelo Russell. Right. You bench right. D'Angelo Russell, then you're putting in McLaughlin, who we all love, but we love him because he's a backup and he gets to come in and, and play really hard in spurts and make an effort, and the other team isn't game planning for him. Uh, it, you know, there, it's not like there's an easy solution. It, it's identifying a problem and solving the problem are completely different things. Yeah, I mean, two things on that. You're right. I mean, McLaughlin is shooting worse than D'Angelo Russell is for yeah. three by a, by a lot. He's shooting like 11% from three-point range. Like, So the longer you have him in the game, especially against starting level players, the more that that can get exposed. Um, love his pace. Love the way that he quarterbacks an offense. Love the shots that he gets people. Uh, but there are real limitations to him as a shooter, floor spacer, and a, and a defender. And if you put... Uh, McLaughlin out there with Rudy. Now you have two Don shooters and now the space shrinks even more on the floor and makes it more difficult that way. So, so Finch doesn't have that. Um, it's not, it's not as easy as everyone might. You think it is right on its face. The second thing is if you bench D'Angelo Russell, that is firing your one bullet. Essentially. Um, you can't, you can't expect from what we have seen of D'Angelo Russell, maybe maybe he would handle it great. Maybe he would nah. go to the bench and flourish. But there, <laughs> yes, but but to 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 think that that is going to be the outcome of it, and that he wouldn't sort of um, sulk or wouldn't you know, or would would take it in the wrong way, um, I think that's the more likely outcome. And so I do think Chris Finch is 
trying to get to the solution that the team that gives the team the highest possible ceiling and the highest possible ceiling is to somehow get D'Angelo Russell activated and engaged and, and all of those things, because like we saw against Cleveland, when he is hitting those shots, it changes the entire team. He has been an inconsistent player his entire life. Um, but they're trying, they're trying to give him every possible sign that, Hey, we believe in you. We're not giving up on you. Let's start to see something happen here. And maybe that was the first sign of it last night, or maybe that was just one good game and he'll come crashing back down to earth in the next game or two. We will see, but Finch is trying his damnedest to, to, to show D'Angelo Russell to show really this entire team that, Hey, I'm sticking with you guys. Now it's time to start validating my faith that I'm having in you. Um, and, um, and so I don't know, we'll, we'll see if that works out long-term, but that's the way that that's the approach that he's taking. Let's get a final thought from John. Once again, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks to TSR injury law, manscaped all energy, solar head flyer brewing. And thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do appreciate it. Also check out the Cheryl Reef show, check out the go gopher podcast for, uh, for basketball and women's basketball. And, uh, again, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. Easiest way to listen. All right, John, head us with a final thought here. Yeah, one final thought is um, I thought that Carl Anthony Towns played his best game, and that was a vintage Carl yeah. Anthony Towns game. 29 points, 11 for 16 from the field, 3 for 6 from 3, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. He did have 5 fouls, but um, he had a block, a steal, and 2 turnovers. And most impressively, Evan Mobley – was the one guarding him most of the night. And Evan Mobley is terrific. And he's getting comparisons to Kevin Garnett, um, a young Kevin Garnett, and he absolutely deserves those comparisons. He is that good defensively. He is that good just all over the place. And Carl Anthony Towns absolutely wrecked him. And, you know, Mobley had four points, one for four shooting. He had 13 boards, but four fouls, three turnovers. It was Towns just ate him for lunch. And we have seen Towns this season not dominate matchups like Santi Aldama in, in Memphis, like, you know, just, just much inferior players. And he has not been able to really assert himself and dominate that way. But he was that kind of dominant against maybe one of the best, if not the best power forward that he's played this season. So, um, I thought that was really encouraging. I thought that uh, to see him put things together that way uh, was was a much-needed step. As much as we're going to give D'Angelo Russell the props that he absolutely deserves, I just thought Cat was terrific, and they need more of that kind of Cat going forward uh, if this Gobert Towns front court is going to work. He's got to dominate his matchups on a more consistent basis, and he did that last night. Good stuff from John. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week to talk more Wolves. Also check out John and myself on the Viking Update show as we chronicle a remarkable uh, start for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm.